Six. A six. Chris, the design challenge we will be tackling in today's episode is create a festival. This is a topic added by past guest Tim Saucer. Ooh, festival. Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Do you, is there a festival that, that sticks out to you as like, oh yeah, this was, this was the best one that I've been to? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I have some fond memories of um, like some fairs I've been to, which okay. kind of count as festivals. I don't know. I don't oh. know what the distinction is there. That's a good question, right? Yeah, so is a festival a fair? <laughs> yeah. you know, and is a circus... The same thing. Um, yeah. Like, I guess because, like, you know, there's Renaissance fairs, of course. But The most uh, defining festival I've attended in my life is every year my uh, private religious uh, elementary school would host the Dutch festival, where <laughs> okay. uh, where mainly you would eat various Dutch pastries uh, baked by people in the community. And that's, uh, I learned two things from those festivals. Uh, first, any type of food that uses almond paste in it is ruined by <laughs> the almond paste. Okay. And number two, wooden clogs are uh, the worst kind of shoe. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I like my feet were bleeding like levels mm-hmm. of worst kind of shoe. Yeah, that um, that sounds really awful. And I, I guess because you, you mentioned it was religious, I'm guessing they also didn't have the the fun part of most festivals is like the, the alcohol and beer <laughs> that goes along with it. So maybe the <laughs> elementary school did not have that element that, you know, that really kind of dulls the pain of they, the almond paste you, and clogs. Uh, you know, and when it was a fundraiser for the school. They really, they might have done well to consider like an adult version of the festival where there was co- <laughs> copious alcohol uh, provided. But no, that was not present at the uh, elementary school Dutch festival. That's really great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember like the... I lived in Indiana for a little bit, um, and the school I went to was nearby, I think it was Marion, Indiana. I'm going to get the, the name of the city wrong, but they would have the James Dean Fest every year. Oh. <laughs> James Dean Festival. <laughs> um, right. So we, you know, <clears throat> that was a lot of fun, right? So there's like, you know, he grew up around that area, right? So there'd you know, be James Dean related stuff, but really it was just, again, an excuse to eat a bunch of like fair and festival food, which is a lot of deep fried everything. <laughs> there. Yeah. Yeah, like I am sure we'll get into this once we start our discussion proper. But yeah. you know, the the most fun sounding festivals are the ones that are about something really particular, like right, like the James Dean Festival. Like that, yes. that's interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. And I also lived in a, another small town in Indiana that had something that was just called the Small Town Fest. <laughs> so, okay. <but> yeah. <laughs> really, they couldn't come up with anything more specific than. Like the size of their town as the yeah. Theme. Well, I mean, I'm sure someone's going to use this to triangulate like exactly where I lived in my my 20s at this <laughs> point. But um, I want to say that uh, Alexandria, Indiana's, um, I think their motto is actually "Small Town USA." <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was part of part of the whole thing. Okay, and so like, they've actually made it a part of their their brand. Of course, yeah. Um, I don't think anyone has ever used that term in that town, <laughs> the, the the brand of the town. Um, yeah, we're we're now fully into Chris reminisces mode. But my favorite part about Alexandria is you come off the highway, and there are signs that point to like you know you know here's where the gas station is, here's where fast food is, you know here's all like the the stuff that you need when you get off the off the stop. All those are pointing to the right, and then to the left is Alexandria. <laughs> 
So I assume these signs, by the way, are written in that like kind of 1950s quasi cursive font. Mm. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very much yes. Like if there is a brand, it is it is that like 1950s. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just that was the best time. Right? <laughs> I actually just wanted to share the something I've been reading uh, lately Ooh, yeah. that. It feels, you know, it's in the same universe as role-playing games, but I just read my first novel by uh, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Oh, yes. Uh, having bounced off one or two, like, earlier in life. Um, and this one, the one I read was Mother Night. And mm-hmm. I loved it. Like, as soon as I put it down, I threw it at my teenager and said, read this, we got to discuss it. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, I know you're kind of a, a Vonnegut fan. Is that accurate? Yes, yes, I am. I'm a very big fan of Vonnegut. As as I just mentioned, I lived in Indiana for a while, so Vonnegut is one of the the more famous of the Hoosiers. Oh, okay. So he's yeah. from Indiana. Yes, yeah, he is. Um, yeah, and I think he he talks about it quite proudly too in a lot of uh, a lot of his literature. Oh, and that's his, neat. His interviews and stuff. Yeah. So to bring it onto a gamey topic, because this is a game related podcast, not a festivals and. Uh, books related podcasts usually <laughs> we could pivot <laughs> uh so i'm curious if you have ever played in a game there's a particular style of sort of wry humor that i associate with like kurt vonnegut and um i don't know like ken kesey and philip k dick and some other kind of sort of kind of sci-fi e writers from mm-hmm. the middle of the century there's a particular kind of wry humor that they have. And I'm just curious if you've ever like played in a setting or run a game that like tried to strike that particular comic style. Oh no, I haven't. And, it's and pretty... like, okay. yeah, it's like a style like, and Philip K. Dick, I I've read a lot of his stuff, so I know him the best, but I've always admired the way he manages to be kind of funny while telling stories that like are borderline horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. And he just makes it work in a way that would be so easy for it not to work at all. And I get the same vibe from Vonnegut. Um, You know, Mother Night is about as grim, you know, a general topic as you can get, the Holocaust. And Mm -hmm. it's not like a ha-ha funny novel, but it's a... It's a witty novel. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Have you have you played in a witty game like that? You know, I haven't. Um, although, I mean, like, so you mentioned, like, Vonnegut's, Vonnegut's humor is something that I really appreciate. Yeah, about his about his novels quite a bit. Um, but I don't know if you could pull it off. Like, it's so calculated um, yeah. what he's doing in a lot of his novels. And, like, like, how he's using humor and why he's using humor in the ways that he is right. It's to basically to be able to talk about some truly horrifying stuff while like it still being palatable mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. Right. You know, like slaughterhouse five is a, um, is a deeply unfunny book from like the, if you read the synopsis of what's going on, but it's a very enjoyable read. Right. And there's still, you know, still some funny stuff, you know, same thing with like cat's cradle as well. Like, you know, there's a lot of, there's like an absurdism to a bunch of that, um, you know, absurdism like that, that, uh, in his novels. And I think, yeah, some of the other, other authors and stuff that you mentioned that I think would be hard to pull off at the table. Um, unless you had a GM or, you know, you wanted to GM in such a way that it was very much, it was a game that was sort of like GM fiat, right. Rather than, uh, more of like a collective storytelling, which I think is what, 
you know, I think that's what we we probably lean more towards. I think you and I, Andy, like as far as how we're telling telling stories in games, it's like, yeah, we're telling it collectively. I think, yeah, you'd have to have a pretty tight rein on like, here's what's going to happen and when to get that across. Yeah. You might even need like some more theatrical players to, to, to sort of sit in that mode. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating question. I don't, how would you, how would you do it if you were going to run a game like that way? I don't know. The, the kind of, the RPGs I know that are expressly comedies tend to be pretty over the top. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most famous satirical RPGs out there is called, um, Oh, how am I forgetting the name of it? Paranoia. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very satirical game, but it it's pretty over the, it's pretty over the top and the humor is is right up in front of you. And that that doesn't feel quite right. I I think sometimes that uh the Warhammer RPGs would lend themselves to being pretty funny if you could find a way to capture sort of the British uh, the British satire core of them from mm-hmm. like 30 years ago or so that I feel has has been kind of replaced by a more surfacey, you know, take on what is a pretty ridiculous setting, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you'd have to have a setting that's pretty ridiculous, but you don't talk about the ridiculousness of it somehow. No, I think that's that's good. I mean, you you hit on something there, which I think is is useful to to point out like the like the bureaucracy in a lot of those like novels like that is um like that's almost a core to like what the characters are bouncing off of yeah you're like thinking about like catch 22 like joseph heller's book right like the like the links that people go to to just like survive amongst all this bureaucracy of the military and stuff and just to like you know make it happen to survive you know it's like you yeah. you know like at, and you know, on one hand, it's like, you know, you, like you, you have a life because of the, the military, but on the other hand, it's like, but it doesn't allow you to do anything, you know, with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, so, I mean, I think if you're going to do a game, maybe the way you do that is to have a, have a, a tightly, um, tightly wound bureaucracy and then have the players agree to interacting with it at face value a bit, mm. you know, I think, and then the humor sort of then comes from like the, the meta step beyond that of like. Like, why are any of us taking this seriously, right? Like, we should be trying to dismantle this bureaucracy, but instead yeah. of sort of existing within it. You know, I think a, a lot of humor would come from that. Now I've got this picture in my mind of a D&D adventure where the adventurers have to get themselves, like, an adventuring permit from the yes. from the king or something. And yeah. <laughs> you just... Uh, it is all bureaucracy and, and forms and, and stuff like that. I know, yeah. It kind of sounds like Discworld at that point, um, which is fun. I know that's not sort of your your cup of tea, but those are really good novels. Um, I think there's a lot of those elements to it. I uh, I need to read some of those books. It's I'm just allergic to any kind of literature where the title is a pun. So that's mm-hmm. uh, Terry Pratchett novels, and I guess you know cozy cat mysteries. Not the <laughs> yeah. I, well, you're missing out on in both respects. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Yeah. I, I believe you. I believe you. It's a petty hangup. Yeah, there's a there's a, a storyline in the Discworld novels that I think you'd appreciate. I think it starts with the We Free Men. Uh, again, right there, you go. Fun, <laughs> fun title. But uh, the the main character Tiffany, Tiffany Aiken in that is is a fantastic character. She's a, a young teenage witch 
trying to find her way in uh-huh. the world. Um, but yeah, it's it's really like I love it. Yeah, I really enjoy those novels quite a bit. Okay, now I did enjoy Terry Pratchett's uh, book with Neil Gaiman. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. So all right, what was the name of the uh, Discworld book you liked? And can I uh, just read that by itself, or do I need? to read them in order yeah no you can read it by itself i'm gonna look it up right now to okay. see if i got it right and see if it actually is even set in Discworld. i think it is um yeah it takes place in Discworld. yeah there's a couple of them after that so if you like it then there's a hat full of sky and wintersmith as well those don't seem like puns so this is a positive <laughs> yeah yeah, but the, the main character there, Tiffany Aking, is really great. And then the, the Knack-Knack Feagles um, are the the little wee free men okay. <laughs> in it. They're like these small, small blue, blue Smurf-like characters, but much meaner. We'll oh, say. okay. Well, mean Smurfs, that's some good, uh, yeah. some good fantasy material okay. right there. Okay, well, I'll uh, see what my local library can provide for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you don't, if the local library doesn't have it, like it just um, holler out your window at any nerd who's walking past and they probably <laughs> have a copy. So. Okay, well, on that note, I apologize for having taken quite so much time with the Vonnegut discussion, but I do appreciate uh, your feedback as someone who knows the author well. Yeah, and I will I will make a pitch here. I've made a pitch on Discord. I'm sure I've made a pitch to you in person over the years for Player Piano by Vonnegut. Okay. Um, it is not, uh, it's it's no one's favorite of his other than it's my favorite of his. <laughs> uh, it was the first novel he ever wrote and it deals with, um, I think, some really compelling stuff um, centered around like artificial intelligence and like how how the world reacts to AI as it's getting introduced. Um, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. It's pretty good. I think he wrote it back in the fifties or sixties as well too, but it's, uh, it's got a lot to say about what's happening right now too. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you've, you've heard it here, folks go out and, uh, and read a book. It is, it's like national reading month or something, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yes. My daughter's been doing that this month. Um, yeah. So they, she got a bunch of challenges for different things you're supposed to read this month. And it's been super fun. Uh, okay all right well we are like so far out of (laughs) what we came here to discuss but i'm sorry if you are going to talk to gms you're going to also talk about reading because that's just sort of what happens oh but let's go back to our uh our design challenge that we rolled on our table um at the beginning of this this whole episode um so the design challenge we have for us today is to create a festival and so this was added by tim saucer And I really like this question because I think a festival can have a fun place in an adventure. Yeah. So I think maybe we should talk like, let's start there with our design challenge is maybe coming up with a reason why this festival is happening and maybe like where you might insert it into a a campaign. Are we talking about a and d ish setting here just to get that out of the way? Yeah, we could. Um, although if we wanted to bring it to maybe like an urban fantasy setting, I think I'm open to that, right? Like we both just, we talked earlier about um, some some festivals in our, our own lives that we've we've enjoyed doing. So maybe let's set it in, yeah, something like more contemporary. Okay. Uh, so yeah. urban-ish fantasy? Yeah, let's do urban fantasy and let's do like 1980s, 1990s. Like oh, okay. Modern day, no cell phones, right? You know, like <laughs> that, that sort of, that sort of time period. Okay. Modern-ish day. Goodness, that was 30 years ago. Modern-ish 30, 40 years ago. (laughs) All right. We've already mentioned that the best festivals are the ones about something really idiosyncratic. Mm -hmm. So things that spring to mind are like local animals or something, like a local animal that is really unique to that part of the world. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a famous 
famous person we could you could go almost anywhere with with that mm-hmm. uh what what is what is springing to your mind i think what's springing to mind is if we can have the festival be about something that gives some good hooks into into future adventures that might be a good idea rather than like an inanimate object right like maybe if you pick a person that's nice because then that person could actually be at the festival maybe they have some other other dealings um in the town in the town or in the world like that you know or you know or animals at the festival centered around like an animal that like only appears once a year or something like that hmm. that could be fun too yeah so i don't know i think if we go the celebrity angle i have some ideas there i don't think i have as many ideas for animals though do you have anything that's sticking out in your mind i don't have any ideas for animals but if mm-hmm. we did animal it would need to be a like a cool weird animal yeah like a salamander yeah. or something i don't know yeah <laughs> the, the weirdest animal there is yeah. <laughs> so my my thought on what to how to what to do with the festival so i have seen festivals used a lot in games mm-hmm. and they almost always seem to be at the beginning of adventures as as sort of a kicking off point for the adventure mm-hmm. and yeah. usually usually like goblins or something attacks the festival and but yeah. sometimes but sometimes in published adventures that have festivals in them you know one thing that's often kind of fun is you'll have like little mini games that the pcs can participate in until the goblins attack of course uh yeah <laughs> so something that lends itself to like a mini a fun mini game or two that maybe we could mm-hmm. whip up on the air would yeah. be kind of fun okay all right let's do that um do you is there so the only festival that I've run that I can think about um, happened as a little like side item midway through a campaign. Um, so I like I inserted it in a week where we had, I think we only had two players that showed up. So I had like a little festival that happened happened at night that that kind of came into town, and then they had you know a fun fun sort of like yeah self contained session. They got some sort of loot, and then you know the the, the festival went away. Yeah. Um, what What's the advantage of having it be as a kickoff to a campaign? Because a couple of reasons. It well, it's a good way to get disparate PCs into a location. Like you're mm-hmm. all here for the annual what's it festival. Um, yeah. You, you know, it's it's maybe a slightly more interesting version of you're all gathered here in this tavern. I can think of at least like two Pathfinder adventure paths that kick off with the festival, basically, that, that do this. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not criticizing that use of festivals at all. It's, it's it's very fun. But so here's a question for you. And here we have my natural instincts towards the horror genre uh, cropping yes. up. Uh, yeah. So festivals festivals are like 20% creepy. Yeah. Uh, and especially at night, festivals can be creepy like pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So while we're throwing wish list items onto our festival mm-hmm. brainstorming pile... Not sure what that metaphor, where that metaphor was going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's make something that can be pretty creepy, like when the lights go out and yeah. Okay. Um, I like that. So what if, um, let's go back on the celebrity angle. Okay. Like what if it's, um, what if it's something like a fungus festival? <laughs> so bear with me for a second. Okay. Some like fungus festival or like some sort of plant that like that glows once a year in the town or like, you know, on a full moon or something like that. Right. Like there's some sort of like natural occurring event that happens in which this thing glows. So then you have and it's at night. Right. Like because it's it's glowing. It's got to be at night. Right. So then you have your built in like 
we have this giant festival going on. There's all this stuff that's lit up. Like we have some artificial lights as well. And then maybe even at midnight, there is a like planned, all the lights go out and we just look at, you know, like all the fungus. Or something yeah. Around. Yeah. What if it's a plant that like releases it glowing spores like once a year? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, they float to the air. Okay. What could go wrong? Okay. I like that. So it's the festival of the glowing spore fungus. <laughs> uh, probably got to need a cooler name than that. Um, yeah. What would be a good name for something, something like that? Mm. Well, if you have different, you have a different naming uh, approaches, you know, there's the glowing spore fungus festival, which is fine. Mm-hmm. You can give it like a, a name like, Oh, it's like whatever. Spore fest, you yeah. know, could have a it could have a name, not not as dumb as that, but uh, I don't know. Spore fest. What if it's like named after the person who discovered it? Oh. Discovered it. So yeah. like, it's like uh, I don't know. Like, this is not right. Like like John Henry's mushroom fest or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So there's some some guy that it's named after some some woman. But that works. Let's keep talking, and maybe a name mm-hmm. will naturally occur to us okay. as we talk. Yeah. Okay. okay. So there's some sort of like glowing thing, but still we're set in the eighties or nineties. Right. So it's like, you know, maybe there's no, um, there's no real like use for this thing other than it looks cool. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, there's a use for it, but it's not like, it's not poisonous. It doesn't give you enough light to where you can really rely on it. Maybe like, you know, going back in the town, town's history, there's some, there's some cool stories about it that you could see it in there. Like, you know, like maybe they did use it to, I don't know, light their way. Like, and that's how they found the valley that this, you know, that they put the town into. Yeah. I like the idea. I don't know if this is what you had in mind, but I like the idea that this is, we said urban, but that this is kind of a small festival. It's not like a nationally known festival, Mm -hmm. but it's something you, you'll be like traveling through Kansas and you, and you stop to find shelter at the, this town and it happens to be spore fest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is that what you're <laughs> thinking? Like that's exactly what I'm thinking. Okay. And then we can also allow that the plant might, might not be like really scientifically understood or it might not just have much attention have been paid to it. So there could mm-hmm. be something a little like sketchy about this, <laughs> sketchy about this plant. Yeah. No, I like it. Like maybe, Yeah. Not yeah. Like I mean, we does it not in to... a horror movie sense, but just in the sense that this could be weird without being overtly supernatural. There could be a little element of weirdness to it. Yeah, I think it's weird. And like over the years, scientists have like tried to study to figure out what's going on with it or how it could be used, and like everybody just sort of leaves disappointed. So like the town has gone through this like boom and bust cycle of like scientists getting really excited, you know, or the military getting really excited about like the the possible uses for this thing, and then just being like, ah, oh, well, uh, I don't know. Yeah, so, like, maybe, maybe it has there's really specific yeah. climate requirements, and this this town and like five miles around it is really the only place. And yeah. so when scientists try to take it out to be studied, it always you know dies and disintegrates within a, a, a yeah, day or yeah. two. Yeah, totally right. So there's probably like some abandoned um, like uh, medical facilities. Oh, of and stuff course, the, yes. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. like this. I like this festival already. Okay, okay. yeah, I'm trying to lean into the the horror. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So maybe like uh, okay. So like hacky. Like maybe the um, like part of it, part of the festival is like a haunted house set in one of the medical faci- medical facilities. Oh yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's like, well, we got the building anyway, right? So that we use this as our convention, you know, convention center. Like, this is where the the school board meets, <laughs> you know, because they have an auditorium in there, and then there's also, you know, we turn it into the the haunted house um, once a year. <laughs> yeah, the and there's another facility though that no one goes to, like outside of town, if you want to mm-hmm. lean into the horror. Oh, of uh, course, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm imagining in my head a kids on bikes type of setting uh, for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, yeah, but, but it could be, it could be a lot of things. Okay. So Spore Festival. So the big event is like at the set time or whatever, uh, these spores are released and they float beautifully across the town, right. And hover over the river and it looks really pretty. So who delivers a speech at the festival? Who's like the MC of the festival and what is, uh, I don't know. Is there something quirky that he can say that he or she can say or do? Yeah, maybe it's like the great um, great granddaughter of whoever discovered discovered okay. it, or yep. like the yeah, or whoever settled the town. Probably let's go with like discovered the the the, the mushroom, okay, or the fungus. Um, yeah, so like Esmeralda, <laughs> mushroom, <laughs> mushroomer. <laughs> no, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I got to get a name, some names for this. Okay, so anyway, great-granddaughter, like, that's the person who gives the speech. Maybe she herself is 80 years old, right? And maybe she, like, doesn't have any any kin at this point, right? So, like, it's, you know, like, we're a couple generations away from the first person who discovered this thing. She's, like, the last one that sort of, like, has the true story about it. And, like, they let her give the speech every year. No one really listens. <laughs> I like that. And yeah. I don't want my this idea to be the main one, but you could also swap it out for a more horror-tinged thing. Uh, Esmeralda could look a whole lot like uh, her mother and grandmother, and <laughs> and no, no one can exactly pinpoint like where... I know it gets real fuzzy when you start trying to identify like, so when did your mom die? And you look a lot like your mom did and you don't seem to have aged. Yeah. Like, wow. Like you look really good for 80. It's like, oh, 80. Huh? Yeah. I guess I am 80. Yeah. So, you know, even in a non-horror, if we could add a little weirdness just by, this is a really old person, but they don't look that old and it doesn't need to be really sinister, but maybe just something that's a little bit eerie. Yeah, maybe like I mean, even as you're describing her, like the like there's some spores underneath her fingernails. If you do like a check, yeah. a check on <laughs> yes. it, you know, like there's just like little things like that, or like you know, it's streaked in her hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of it around her nose, like <laughs> you know, stuff, something like that. Um, okay, so I think that's a good setup for like like what the festival is, and maybe you know some of the people that are surrounding. It. Like, is there any? Yeah, is there like a religious element? like a metaphysical element to this at all? Or like, is it really just a natural occurrence? So I like the idea that this is a natural occurrence. I mean, I'll be honest though. my brain keeps going to like a, a call of Cthulhu esque scenario in which kind of a town slash cult has formed around some sort of natural phenomenon that like the settlers came across the weird spores and they settled down and now, they're all basically cultists of the weird spore. I think that's a bit too much for our idea here. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea that you have just, you know, normal cultural and religious activity in the town, but it's just been kind of flavored by the omnipresence of the spores in the town's identity. Or I keep yeah. saying spores, but whatever the plant is called. Yeah. So, 
you know, I don't know. Maybe the church, maybe there's a church that's a normal church, but it's the, it's the, whatever, it's the spores in its name somewhere, or mm-hmm. they have, you know, they, they have an extra hymn book that's like spore <laughs> plant themed. So I, I don't know, yeah. something weird, but that's not straight up like cults, I guess. Yeah. Let's uh, let's pause for a second and go back. Let's let's just establish what we want this to be. So I guess okay. like it could be a, a fungus. Um, you know, like fungus could release spores. Another thing, um, another thing I'm thinking about is like uh, like an evergreen tree, like a fir tree. Yeah. Like you know, some of like the pollen that gets released from that. You know, so I like that too because then I mean, then it's a little bit more limited, right? You mentioned like the five mile radius. It's like I mean, you can't have that many trees in this in this radius. Yeah. Uh, yeah something like that i mean so like a mushroom's nice because it's like i don't know everybody can picture picture a mushroom um the tree is nice because i think it has a little bit more volume volume to it maybe there's like one big tree that this festival is focused around yeah let's do the tree idea okay yeah it's a tree okay yeah so it's a tree of some sort of bioluminescent pollen that gets released on yeah a set cadence (laughs) okay yeah um we have the tree, we have sort of like the person that keeps this festival going with some, you know, mysterious stuff. I was to say there's a haunted house and then I'm, I'm wondering like, you know, what are some other cool things we can fill this festival with? Yeah, I was wondering if we could just pick one or two uh, mini games that the PCs could, you know, roll some dice and just just for fun. Um, mm-hmm. But like, so what's a what's a plant or, or spore kind of inspired activity that you could do? It's like the equivalent of... Uh, you know, uh, target shooting at, at a, at a amusement park or, or banging, testing your strength with those like big hammers. Oh yeah. There's probably like a, um, like a tree that you could have to climb and like, you know, hit a buzzer at the top of the tree. Yeah. Like the, what if the, uh... the arms are rigged to like break, you know, it's like, it's plastic, right? Plastic, but modeled off of the real trees. Right. And like the arms, like, you know, twist <laughs> they're, they're on, on stuff. That I can, like, like that. So around. what if, what if we have some activities that are kind of keyed to things people have have like things people have to do in mm-hmm. this town related to spores? So, like the spore, whoever goes and collects the spores, it's like a special skill. You gotta climb these trees. Yeah, I like that one. So yeah. one of them's like a, a tree climbing thing that kind of emulates, you know, what how you would collect the spores off like the great trees out in the forest or out, out in yeah. the woods and. Uh, Whoever, you know, whoever gets highest or whatever wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe there could be one that's like, I'm thinking about like other, other carnival style games. Um, there's like a, a test your strength thing, but it's like test your, like your blowing power, right. To see like how far you can like blow the pollen oh, out into the wind. Yeah. Right? Like, so it's just like a, you take a deep breath and like blow and like, it, yeah, if you can get some, some sort of like, yeah, some of the bioluminescent powder, like if it goes far enough, right. Then you can, you win a prize. What if, what if like in the same way when you inhale helium and your voice changes, what if you inhale a bunch of spores, your like eyes glow or something like that? <laughs> Briefly. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. I like that. Yeah. I mean, you could have a random table for like, yeah. Effects that happen. Like maybe it's not quite the same for everybody. This is like eyes glow. Like maybe, yeah. Like your breath has some sort of like, uh, like your fog, like foggy breath, but it's yes. like this like bioluminescent cloud for a little bit. <laughs> yes. Okay. I really like um, it. Yes. Um, another thing, like this might actually be fun for a festival is right. Like, so festival has a ton of people in it. Like maybe there's a trivia game that's happening. Oh yeah. Um, and like, so that gives the PCs a lot of opportunities for 
like, are we going to cheat at this trivia game? You know, like, are we going to try to talk to people to like learn, learn enough to win the trivia game? Like, you know, all sorts of things like that, you know, so the, the trivia is all about the town. Right? Yeah, the town history. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what, is there something that the PCs, uh, who needs help at the festival that the PCs will be asked to help or have the opportunity to get involved with? Um, the PCs. So again, thinking like kids on bikes. So I'm, I'm just imagining, right. Cause we're set it sort of like in, you know, eighties, nineties, small town. Uh-huh. Horror. It's uh so I imagine a bunch of teenagers as the PCs. Um, like, you know, like you're, parents need you to get something from point a to point b across the festival okay or you know like make some sort of uh some errands i think are good yeah you know, so you're not like behind a booth but you do have to move through the festival and talk to a bunch of people maybe you have to get a bunch of signatures for something yeah i like that yeah, yeah something that would force the pcs to check in at kind of the major checkpoints that the gm has mm-hmm. decided has defined for the festival mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Esmeralda like needs, um, there's something that she like absolutely needs as part of the speech that she's forgotten somewhere, you know, yep. like, yeah, or lost in the, in the festival somewhere. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. I'm wondering if this is like the hundredth, the special anniversary celebration of the oh, festival. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some, you know, something's gone missing, you know, something key has gone missing or it could be. They want somebody to go into the old spooky original research facility that's been boarded up for years and yeah. see if see and bring out some artifacts, you know, to to celebrate for the hundredth anniversary or whatever. Uh, I don't Ooh. know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of hooks there for yeah for the PCs to go yeah to go go and do you know do different things like while the festival's happening. I mean, I keep on thinking, like, it, to me, it's pretty clear that at the end of this thing, like, the the spores are not going to do, or the pollen is not going to do what, what everybody expects it to do, right? Like, so it's like, it's not going to work this time, or it's going to be way more pronounced somehow, um, or, like, someone's going to cut down that big tree, you know, like, in the middle of the festival, you know, there's going to be, you know, some sort of protest, right? Like, there's, there's all sorts of stuff that could happen, happen around that. I think I'm wondering, like, how do you... And this, maybe this is the last question we should tackle before we wrap up. It's like, how do you make that festival interesting, right? Because, like, a festival, if you go to it, like, you go to it for a set amount of time in, in real life. Like, you go to it for a set amount of time. You leave. The festival is still going on, right? Like, everybody's experience of that festival is the, the hour or two that they're there and then they leave. But the, you know, the vendors are there for the full day or two days or whatever like that. But I think in, in, in an RPG, you really need there to be some sort of beginning, middle, and end to this festival, mm-hmm. right? And so there's going to be some culminating point like that, you know, like the goblins attack, like you said, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, so what are we leading up to? Yeah, well, I agree with you. In an RPG, you know, you won't hold interest very long just describing all of the cool details you've come up with about the festival. So my instinct is, you know, the PCs are doing a very just have a very PC-like job to do, but it just happens to be smack in the middle of this festival. And then, depending on what they do, I mean, you could just think about, so how will how will this regular PC activity be complicated by the fact that the festival is here? So, you know, to, to take something really simple and boring, like the PCs need to deliver a package to person, uh, person X, 
that's that's pretty boring so maybe don't do that but so how would that be complicated well first of all person x is not where they're supposed to be because everyone's downtown at the festival right then you get downtown and and everyone at the festival is uh they're all wearing you know special party masks so who Mm -hmm. how do you find your person and uh you know as you're wandering through you're getting accosted by vendors shouting at you or people challenging you to you know participate in these mini games or something and um i mean there's a million well not that you could probably come up with a good random table of like what what uh pops out and kind of gets in your way as you're just trying to walk through town looking for the person you know yeah so i don't know do you have any reactions to that yeah i think the the only reaction i have to it is you know say what do you do if the players don't decide that they're it's it's very important for them to just do do their task and not get sidetracked with it but i think that's probably okay because i think you could also just as soon as they do their task where they deliver it it's like then that person's like oh great you're here like let's go explore the festival together right you can have have different ways to sort of point them back in into it but i think it's important to not let the players do everything like you said like you can't just dump every cool idea that you have on them it's got to be like here's a couple highlights and then the inciting incident happens where it's like oh now now things have changed forever and so whatever that ends up being um, I think I'm pretty partial to the tree gets cut down and then the spores stop working or the pollen stops working. <laughs> like, the, yeah, that one tree. Yeah. It, yeah. If you want to make the festival, you know, the the centerpiece of the plot rather than just the weird background to the plot you're mm-hmm. already running, you know, some kind of threat to the festival. You know, the, the spores didn't get released. What happened? The you know, something's gone wrong. You know, who's. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of good opportunities. Someone cut down the tree or somebody's messing, you know, someone's messing with the water or, you know, there's a lot of different options there and it's whatever. It's, I don't know. You could, you could do some cool, you could do some cool, like small town, you know, stranger things type stuff with that, you know, and get, get, get a good mystery going with kind of quirky townspeople, but uh, yeah, Mm, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think if we had another hour or two, I think I'd start focusing on the, like, the NPCs in the town. Yeah. Such, like, I think you'd want to focus on, like, who who are the main street businesses, you know, like, religious leaders, high school teachers, like, those sorts of people. Like, who are the sorts of people that are going to be invested enough in the festival that they have a booth or, like, you know, or they're, you know, volunteering? Yeah. Or something for it and i mean i think then you start making lots of cool connections the other end of the spectrum is you don't even have to use the festival all that much think about how many mm-hmm. movies you've seen where there's a chase scene that just goes through a festival <laughs> right yeah so yeah, sure. in the rise of skywalker they have to search for lando and you know they're in the, it's it's in this giant colorful alien festival you know they don't really talk about the festival much they don't learn about it or whatever it's just provides really colorful backdrop for it in mm-hmm. the uh a recent james bond movie opened up with a big pursuit scene through a, a day of the dead festival so and mm-hmm. you know that the festival didn't really have anything to do with what james bond was doing but i remember the scene very vividly because you know there's so much activity going on around what otherwise was just what James Bond always does, you know, running, chasing bad guys, right? Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah, you could have this whole, yeah, this whole thing that's just happening that <laughs> they run through. Okay, I like that. Well, we should wrap up. I have one one final question for you, though, and I feel like this is 
a mistake that we didn't start with this is like what what sort of food do you get at the festival what's the special food item oh huh hmm well nobody's really gonna eat like you know you we i'm not imagining we can have a cuisine based on the tree <laughs> or the spores yeah but i'm yeah. so i mean thinking about you know the dutch festival type things you know is there food in the shape of what the spores look like when they you oh, know yeah. or maybe for the gutsy you know like cookies or cake but little but spores have been sprinkled just very small amounts of spores have been sprinkled on enough to kind of make it glow yeah and maybe that's where you roll on the table of like what happens when i ingest yeah. too many spores uh <laughs> i don't know what do you think There's... yeah i like that i mean regardless of what happens you're gonna have to have that table of like the 10 things that oh, happens yeah. when you eat the spores or the pollen oh and right? there's got to be a local a local brewed beer that yeah. you, that draws on water near the spore forest and people people yeah. say it has you know some qualities whether it does or not is up to the gm you know has some sort of spore related <laughs> qualities i don't know yeah um yeah i think i like the idea of you know some sort of fried dough in the shape of the tree right like so there's yeah someone with like a piping bag like you know drawing these trees as fast as possible and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. handing it off to people like maybe the um the dough is even tinged with the color you know the color of the pollen or the, the bioluminescent part of it <laughs> oh and you gotta i would say this regardless of the theme of the festival there has to be at least one person with a sign protesting the festival oh, like yeah. so it could you could do your stereotypical kind of uh you know fundamentalist uh type or whatever or you could come up with a different type of quirky towns person why are why is there a small crowd here warning about the festival with their crazy <laughs> signs or something like that yes uh yeah that's good well i mean i would go to this this festival i would personally. i'm excited about spore fest 2022 everyone yeah it's coming up we didn't yeah. pick a time of year all right this this will be our last uh last question about the uh Ooh, yeah. what time what season does it take place in um i've been envisioning this in like i think late spring yeah not quite summer that's where i've been, I've been slotting it in but i don't know why why that is i uh i think almost any time of year it could work except maybe winter mm -hmm. i am kind of drawn to this uh, because of my partiality to the sort of ray bradbury lazy summer golden mm -hmm. age of youth type of uh, fiction i'm picturing you know kind of the hot days in the middle of summer in the midwest yeah. where it's hot and humid and yeah but yeah, it could, <laughs> I guess you could slot it in in any season. So you would go spring. Yeah. I'd probably go sometime uh, like mid-late summer. Oh, goodness. Now you're making me wonder if there is a um, a Sandlot-themed <laughs> RPG yet. Yes. I need a Kids on Bike variation that's just, yeah, that's more Sandlot-focused <laughs> where there's no powered character. It's just like, yeah, we got really into football that one summer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I know Sandlot's about baseball, but I was just trying to like, you know, like what else could you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Well, this is really good. Um, yeah, I, I like this question a lot. Thank you, Tim, for, for giving it to us. Um, yeah, it was a good, good design challenge. Um, and I think we created a, a pretty unique and fun festival, um, that hopefully someone can use. I don't I mean like, yeah, I wish I was running a kids on bike bikes game. Cause I mean, I think this would be a good one to drop in, but yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think that about does it. Do we have anything else that we need to talk about? Um, I think I have a teaser about something. Well, uh, well, you've already started to tease uh, us, so why don't you just go ahead and uh, 
Go for it. I know I probably should have put that at the beginning of the episode and then everybody could be waiting until the end <laughs> for it. Um, yeah, the, the thing that I wanted to tease is that um, uh, planning is afoot for Roll for Topic Con 2022. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you have listened to the podcast before, um, last year we did our first convention, um, which was really fun in Ann Arbor. And I think we're going to do it. We're, well, we're going to do it again. So we're trying to figure out all the details. Um, we will have a survey forthcoming for some of the, the attendees from last year. Um, yeah, and then we'll have more information about about dates and who you can come and how much money you got to give us and what we're going to be doing and all that, uh, that is forthcoming, but get excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. More details with that will be coming soon. And Chris, mm-hmm. why don't you sign us out? Roll for topic is part of the roll for it media network. Um, we are a small but mighty podcasting network that contains, um, roll for topic. And then also the splat book. Um, it's our sister podcast that John Corey and Kyle Latina put out. It's really great. You should go listen to it at the splatbook.com. Um, but yeah, uh, I've been Chris Salzman. And I've been Andy Rowe. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM.